0: do our Wednesday message we're in a series called pondering prophecy uh, we've been dedicating these Wednesdays to to talk about prophecy um, however at the same time if you'd like to be able to catch two of our, of our messages each week just tune on Sunday because on Sunday we're doing a sermon series called unstoppable it's on the book of the Acts of the Apostles. But again, let's, uh, let's talk about um, our sermons for today. Again, we're in prophecy. And the topic for today is, are you ready? Now, we're going to be looking at a, a passage out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And in your Bible, it probably says, the day of the Lord. But I like this idea of, are you ready? Now, there's a few times in our life that somebody says that to you. I do, as a pastor, I have the privilege of doing some weddings. And one of the things that I, I always say to the couple as we get up, a, a few announcements at the very beginning, maybe a few songs, the bride walks up, the, the bride and the groom are holding hands and they're looking at me. And one of the first things I say is, is are you ready? are you ready puts a smile on their face kind of breaks the ice they might be a little nervous and kind of settles them down but it's but it's a serious question so our, our topic today is are you ready And we're going to look at a very serious passage in the in the Bible it's out of 1st Thessalonians but the Apostle Paul teaching here and it's a serious question so let me go ahead and get started we're gonna be uh, teaching from uh, beginning in verse 5 uh, of 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 and this is what Paul says He says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief you are all sons of light and sons of the day we are not of the night nor of darkness therefore let us not sleep as others do but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night but let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So so Paul starts off this message by saying, regarding the times and the seasons. You know, he doesn't define these times. He doesn't define the terms because he says they already know. It's already part of what he has taught them previously. He has been with them in the past, and the apostle Paul has explained to them clearly what is known as the day of the lord now we know that the apostles paul to thessalonica it's hard to say isn't that thessalonica it's easier to say thessalonians the, paul's journey to thessalonica is documented in Acts 17 and we read that he spent three weeks with them perhaps a, a little bit longer he, he's writing to a church that he founded He's writing to people that he knows. He's he's writing to leaders that he assigned, he appointed, that he laid his hands on, that he commissioned for work in the ministry. Now, even though these new believers were were very young in the Lord, just mere babes, he needed to appoint the very best of them um, in the Lord as leaders of the church. In the little time that Paul spent with these believers, these Thessalonians, possibly only 3 weeks. He took this precious time, this precious time, and taught them about the day of the Lord, about prophetic matters. Paul taught them about the times and the seasons regarding the return of the Lord. He taught them about the rapture, the coming judgments and the glorious return of Jesus Christ, even though they were relatively new believers. Now, this is, a, this is a very good lesson for us. It really is. I've noticed that many of our churches today that do a, a really good job, I'd even say a great job, of welcoming non believers into their church and teaching them the things that they need to know to be able to be baptized, to be able to, to get saved, to be able to grow in the Lord, often they completely ignore prophecy. Now, this is unfortunate. Because 25% of the Bible, and there are actually eight verses regarding the second coming of the Lord for every one verse for his first coming. Likely the Apostle Paul would be disappointed that many people today would have been taught very little about the return of Jesus Christ. And that a sermon on this passage or other passages in the Bible uh, is sometimes completely non-existent in some of our churches. Now, fortunately, there are still a number of very faithful pastors in churches that teach what we call the full counsel of the Lord. One of my favorite teachers is Dr. David Jeremiah. And let me quote him just, just for a minute. Dr. Jeremiah says, People are often surprised to learn that references to the second coming outnumber references to the first coming by a factor of eight to one. Scholars have identified at 1,845 different biblical references to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Christ's return is emphasized in no less than 17 books. And in the New Testament, authors speak of it in 23 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Seven out of 10 chapters of the New Testament mention his return. In other words, one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament teaches us that Jesus Christ is coming back. Dr. Jeremiah continues, he says, It is predicted, the day of the Lord, throughout the Bible, wherever you look. In fact, it is even in the book of Genesis. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from, from sin, for salvation. Did you know that Enoch predicted the second coming of Christ? Jude tells us this in Jude uh, chapter 1. Here's what it says. It says, Now Enoch... The seventh from Adam prophesied that these to these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all those who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have coming to them. Sounds like the book of Revelation, and this was thousands, thousands of years ago, thousands of years before even Christ so let's return today to paul's teaching notice that paul is reminding the people of something he says they already know you know i appreciate that i really do i'm one of those people maybe you are like me that sometimes need to be reminded of what i've already learned in order for it to really take hold really take hold in my soul Um, paul however uh, doesn't want to hold back i mean he, he jumps right in as he wants these believers to be ready and that's the topic of our conversation today are you are you ready Verse one he says but concerning the times and the seasons brothers you have no need that i should write to you for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the lord comes as a thief in the night you know paul says i love it he says there's really no need to write to them but then he writes You know, it's kind of like a person that introduces a speaker at a convention, a a very famous speaker. And he says, there's really no reason to give um, uh, an introduction for this person because everybody knows him full well, but then goes on for the next 10, 15 minutes talking about how great the person is. The apostle Paul is reminding these Thessalonian believers of what he had previously taught to them. The teaching for Paul is so, this teaching is so critically important that he wants to remind them He wants to give them illustrations, to to teach them once again, to give them more information so that they're fully grounded in this spiritual truth. And actually, this chapter 5 follows chapter 4. Now, I know that's profound, (laughs) that that 5 would actually follow 4. But it was in chapter 4 that Paul speaks to them uh, about their relatives that had, had passed away. It appears that some of them had, had been concerned that because they had died, they somehow missed something, missed the, the day of the Lord. But Paul tells them clearly, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18. I'm gonna read the entire thing because it's a critical passage to understand. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, Paul is teaching them about the critical truth, which is called the rapture of the church and paul is encouraging them even while talking about death and judgment he speaks of death as sleep so those that have died in christ have fallen asleep in him now he isn't teaching this false doctrine of what's called soul sleep that's embraced by the jehovah's witness as well as a a few others they use their scriptures incorrectly and they take things out of context the appropriate context here and in other places that speaks about those that are asleep is about physical death and about a physical resurrection and paul is telling them that just as jesus died and then rose from the dead all who die in jesus will also be resurrected all will come back to life with a new body a resurrected body. This is encouraging language that Paul is using. He says, sleep as it's a metaphor for that we use today. Uh, Jesus said of his friend Lazarus, he, he sleeps, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may, may wake him. Paul is encouraging these Thessalonians, and notice at the end of chapter 4, Paul said, Therefore, comfort each other with these words. Paul says this as well in chapter 5, the section of the scripture that we read today. In verse 11, he says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So this is a quandary, isn't it? Paul is talking about the day of the Lord, a day of judgment. And at the same time, he's saying, I want you to be encouraged and and, and comfort each other. In another place in the scripture, it says, this is our, our blessed hope. So let's go on. So we understand that Paul is teaching the Thessalonians, and by extension, something, first of all, very important. Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant, he says. He wants to remind us what, he's, what has already been taught. And Paul says that what he is teaching is actually to be encouraging. We can take comfort and we can comfort each other with this very teaching. And that's a good place to start. Because what Paul is talking about regarding the times and seasons and the day of the Lord is God's judgment. Now, you know, people don't like to think of judgment. In the business world, we learn that people abhor, they hate the annual performance review. So much so that the company I was working for decided to get rid of the annual per- performance review. They called it coaching sessions. Well, after a while, people hated the coaching sessions as well. There's something about being told uh, where, what you're lacking and how you need to be corrected that just rubs us the wrong way. But you see, God has given us performance standards. God's told us what to do, what is right. We all know, for example, the Ten Commandments. We may not know each of the Ten Commandments, but if I told you one, you'd you'd recognize it. You know, you don't take the Lord's name in vain. You don't steal. You don't commit adultery. You don't murder. uh, You don't covet. You know, Jesus said all of these commandments can be summarized in just two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, in these two commandments, all of the other commandments are included. And this, these 10 commandments, or these two, are our performance standard. This is the law of God that we live by. It's the law that is engraved in our hearts, as the Bible says. It's what motivates us, and it's what guides us. This is actually what it means to be ready for the day of the Lord, to know God. And we know God because we know Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we repent of our sin. And then we're guided by these two commandments that God gave us, that we love God and we love our neighbor as ourself. And Paul is encouraging, while at the same time he's reminding us that the day of the Lord will come when many others are sleeping, when they're confident that everything is going along fine. This is what he says when, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. For those of us that know God, Paul is telling us that we need to live our life with an attitude of soberness. That's the word he used, soberness and watchfulness. And and this is why he said, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be watchful and be sober. There's that word again. Why Why has God delayed his coming? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, this, these, these words are written almost 2,000 years ago. And Paul is talking about the coming of the Lord, the, a day of judgment. He's telling us to be watchful. Well, it's been almost 2,000 years. Why has the Lord delayed his coming? Well, the Apostle Peter actually gives us the reason. In fact, it's, it's in the Bible a number of times. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Apostle Peter says this. He says, the Lord is not slack, concerning his promise, his promise of coming, as some count slackness, but the Lord is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is giving us time, and it's not so much for us because we already know the Lord. When the Lord comes, we're good, but it's those that still are in darkness, you know, we actually saw the same long suffering of the Lord in the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, God spoke of the Amorites and the Canaanites who were exceedingly wicked. And he told Moses the reason for the Canaanites' demise. He says, For the land itself is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of the iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. God had foretold that he would destroy the Ammonites over 400 years previously. To Abraham, but God was long suffering. He waited and waited and waited, waited for any, if a few would repent. Most people understand. The need for judgment you know people will criticize this passage in the bible and other passages that god judges people but we all understand judge we all understand judgment we all understand punishment we see it in our court systems and and you know lawyers that argue both for the plaintiffs as well as the defendants know that people demand justice they know that juries when presented with a crime any injustice, the loss of a human life with criminal conduct, conduct, whether it's larceny, assault, robbery, extortion, judges want to, I'm sorry, juries want to punish someone. Because to them, as well as to us, punishment actually means justice. Have you ever thought of it that way? But that's what people think. Punishment actually means justice. So we, we look to the return of the Lord primarily to be with the Lord to enter the heavenly realm, to cease from our labor, to be reunited with our loved ones, and to experience the peace that passes all understanding. As we approach that day, that time of the return of the Lord, we are encouraged by the Lord and through the scripture verses to to be holy. Now, holiness is embracing the character and the quality of God. Holiness requires obedience. As it says in 1 Peter, as obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. But we also look to the day of the Lord because we know that the night is still evil. It's not only the night, but it's the, the people of the night that are evil. You know, my mama used to tell me nothing good happens after nine o'clock at night. You know, nothing ever happens good at night. And, and that's just a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the idea that there's evil things and evilness is, is compared. The metaphor for evil is, is the nighttime. Uh, Paul talks it actually in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul writes, he says, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. What's he talking about? Again, it's a metaphor that the night is darkness. Night is darkness and that's evil, but we are of the day. We're no longer evil, but we're good. And why are we good? We're only good because of, of Jesus, because Jesus has taken our sins away for us. We are now the righteousness of God because of God has, has imputed his righteousness to us. Paul is simply telling the Thessalonian Christians who they are. God has made us sons of the light and sons of the day. This is the work of God. And all we need to do is rest in what God has already done. There are, however, those that Paul says this day will overtake as a a thief. There are those that have no consideration of the laws of God. There are those who have no knowledge of the Son of God because they suppress the truth. In Romans, Paul says all of this is self-evident, that there's a creator that he loves us, that he provides for us. Paul says that it's, it's self-evident, but people have rejected the truth. Paul continues to talk about those who are in denial, those that are in the dark. Paul says, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Again, it reminds me of what my mama said, you know, nothing good happens after nine o'clock at night let us be who are of the day be sober that's what paul says putting on the breastplate the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation now being sober really means to be serious it doesn't have as much to do about alcohol, although that's a great metaphor and understanding that when we're drunk, we're certainly not sober. But sober in this passage actually means to be, to be serious, doing something intentionally, weighing the advantages and the disadvantages of our actions. We have to be careful because the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but only for a season. But Paul gives us some encouragement. He tells us how to be able to do this. He tells us to put on a breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Uh, Paul's picturing a, a soldier getting ready for battle. And sometimes that's how we need to think of our lives, as, as that we're in a battle. It's a constant struggle between good and evil, and we're to be holy. And as a result, Paul tells us to think of ourselves as a soldier that's, that's putting on his armor. Actually, if you compare what Paul says here to Ephesians chapter 6, which talks about the same type of equipment, it's slightly different. And I love that because Paul is not so much talking about specific pieces of armor. He's saying, picture yourself as a soldier going into battle. Now, here's something extremely important, and the reason this entire section on being ready in the day of the Lord is to be an encouragement. Paul says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. You see, in Jesus, we are the beneficiaries of God's grace and his mercy, It's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Because we're saved, we belong to him. We have the ability to call God our father because we have become his adopted sons and daughters. And at the same time, because of of God's mercy, we don't receive the things that we actually deserve. God shows mercy on everyone those that reject his offer of salvation and those that mock those who even follow jesus god's mercy shows up in what's called long suffering which i mentioned before there is a day of judgment that is coming and god is not willing to have any perish, so he withholds judgment for a time but ultimately god's long suffering comes to an end and the day of the lord is at hand in closing let me encourage you, just like Paul did, that there's a day coming, uh, the day of the Lord. That day must come, but prior to that day, remember I read out of, out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17, that's, the, that's what's called the rapture of the church. Prior to the day of the Lord, Jesus comes to meet the church in the air. Jesus comes back for his, his bride. The bridegroom cometh, that's what the Bible talks about. The bridegroom cometh, a shout goes out. And the virgins run out. Those that are ready for the Lord are, are met by the Lord and we're raptured. We go up in the, in the, up in the sky and meet the Lord. And the Bible says that so will ever be with the Lord. But after that, it's the time, the day of the Lord, the time of what's called Jacob's trial. It's a day of judgment. But realize even in that time of judgment, that seven-year period of tribulation, it's also an opportunity for redemption. We're saved we've made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Lord of our life. And in the, during the tribulation, there's still an opportunity for redemption. That's why there's 144 evangelists that are commissioned that go out and preach the gospel. That's why an angel is coming flying through the air, preaching the gospel of the everlasting God. That's why the two witnesses show up in Jerusalem and they preach the gospel for three and a half years. It's an opportunity for, for people to be delivered But at the same time, if you're in Christ right now, we we miss that whole period of time. We get caught up in the air with Jesus and so we will ever be with the Lord. Revelation chapter three, verse 10 should remove any doubt. If you're one of those people that think somehow we ought to go through the tribulation as well. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, Jesus is speaking to the Church of Philadelphia, which is a type of church for a church that has this open door, that is missionary-minded, that loves the Lord and is overcoming. It says, because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. You know, before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham asked the Lord, He said, Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked as well? And the Lord answered, Of course not. Um, Remember, at that time, the Lord removed, sent his angels, and removed Lot and his family before he sent down judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. The day of the Lord is coming, my friends. We see the signs. We see Israel in the land, which is the number one sign. We see the nations aligning themselves according to the prophecy given in the book of Ezekiel. The only thing you need to do to prepare is to make sure, make sure that you're right with the Lord. On our own, we cannot be holy. We cannot be righteous. We cannot be good enough to merit heaven. Those 10 commandments without the Lord's hope, (laughs) you're gonna break them all, let me tell you. But Jesus paid the price for our sin and the sin of the world in christ we are a new creation something that never existed before we're recreated and our our spirit is quickened by the spirit of the lord paul wrote in the 10th chapter of the book of revelation if we confess with our mouth the lord jesus and believe in our heart that god has raised him from the dead you'll be saved Now, what does it mean to be saved it means to be right with god for the holy spirit to come into your life and to to change you paul continues he says "For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame be encouraged with those words let's pray father god we want to thank you lord for who you are we thank you lord for the apostle paul who took the time You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.